Now, not to ask you a, a tough technical question, but I'm sure you're probably familiar with the, the DEI stuff. The one, the one metric that I, I've, people have not been uh, following that I think is kind of important is, uh, do you have a sense of how many Cajuns you have working for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, I don't have a percentage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, check I, that. but but I will say we've had uh, some of the most um, uh, some some very colorful characters in our 101 year history yeah. have, have uh, <laughs> come out of Louisiana. I think you got to have several of them at least to be a sustainable business. <laughs> you know, particularly in the offshore drilling business, just add character to everything. I agree. The first rig I ever worked on was the Noble Loris Boozy Guard. Yeah. <laughs> Oil and gas makes modern life possible. The energy the world requires today and tomorrow will come from decisions made in the oil field today. Oil and gas will remain the leading source of fuel to power affordable energy that is sustainable for the billions of people that depend on the success of the industry. The oil field is a group of people, companies, technologies, and institutions working towards providing the world with safe, clean, storable, and transportable power. The Oilfield 360 podcast is a 360-degree deep dive into the leaders of the industry who will provide listeners with a first-hand account of what it takes to build, maintain, and lead the energy business into the future. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Locked in Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. Hello and welcome to the O360 podcast brought to you by Upright Digital and broadcasting from the Fletcher Azul Tequila Studio. I'm your co-host Greg Davis, joined today as always by my esteemed co-host David DeRode, quite possibly the sharpest dressed man in the energy industry. David, how are you? Doing well, bud. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a while since we've done one of these. It's, it's almost been too, been too long. I think it has to do with your schedule. That's what I'm going <laughs> to blame it on. Yeah. That's probably true. That's yeah. probably true. Well, I'm no. glad we were able to get together. You know, and I, and I appreciate you dressing respectably, not only for me, but also my guests. You don't have these funky, weird socks like my previous co-host or the crazy shoelaces or or anything yeah i'm a little more tame today and you know the good news is that this suit actually fits again so i felt like i, I should That's oblige good. the audience and, yeah. and wear it today 
Yeah, Greg and I are both trying to get in shape. Huh? <laughs> He's doing a better job at it. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to go see the see the man in the the uh, the suit scissors here pretty soon. So oh, Abdullah the tent maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he makes an appearance. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so. you know, losing weight's like a slow boat to China, but I'm gonna get there. Yeah. Uh, well, great to be with you. Yeah, it's good uh, to be with you. Likewise. Well, I'm why glad. Don't, uh, go ahead. Why don't uh, we introduce this esteemed guest sitting next to us? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I feel privileged to be able to introduce a good friend, and uh, it's been a while. We've been talking about it for a while. He's been a little busy, but uh, welcome uh, Robert Eifler, President and CEO of Noble Drilling, and uh, glad you're here and appreciate you taking the time to come join us. Well, I'm glad to be here, and thank you both for uh, having me, and we have been uh, texting about this for many months, and yeah. some, of mine, some of yours went unanswered, so I apologize, but I'm, no, I'm glad to be here. That's all right. You've been kind of busy. Been a little busy. I think you've been working on some M&A activity. We've had a few things going on. COVID maybe and, and uh, you know, post restructuring activities. and You know, yeah. another day in the oil field, as my old boss <laughs> used to say. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, we appreciate you being here. And um, you know, as we were talking earlier, just to kind of lay the foundation for, for a uh, broader conversation, we typically like, you know, our guests to tell them a little tell our audience a little bit about themselves and you know where they're from and how they got into the business and and all that kind of stuff so would you mind uh, taking us down memory lane and tell us a little bit about yourself and sure yeah i hope uh, people can stay tuned in for the very boring part here uh, but i uh, i'm from houston grew up uh in in born and raised in houston and uh a wife and three kids and um my wife was also native houstonian uh I went to um, school here in Houston, K through 12, and then off to uh, to Virginia for college, um, where I was a, an, an engineer and uh, came out of uh, Virginia with an engineering great engineering degree, um, thinking I wanted to to be a banker actually, because all the all the smart older guys I knew at Virginia were, were all off. Uh, being bankers in various different uh, cities, so I uh, I spent a very short uh, amount of time uh, pursuing that unsuccessfully until I was learned about and was accepted into uh, the Acton School of Entrepreneurship, which is a the Acton MBA. A few few listeners will have heard of, uh, and so I um, I went down to Austin uh, and did uh, this MBA program, which really really changed my life and really helped. Uh, me focus a little bit more on um, what I might uh, be good at and, and what options might be out there. And so I, I came out of that program uh, wanting to own a, a, a small business, actually, and um, oil field services wasn't uh, really a, a must-have of mine, but um, I did want kind of a small, uh, non-techno- non-technological, just kind of a, a normal uh, operations-based business, uh, but I had any experience. I had school experience was all, and uh, so I went around looking for jobs where I could get some operational experience, and um, had gotten to know uh, some folks at uh, at Noble Corporation, and um, and was offered a job to go uh, work through a management development program uh, with the company, uh, which uh, was exciting and um, and interesting to me. Um, and so um, I signed on and, uh, you know, 
years and years later, I never bought that small company. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> basically stayed, obviously stayed in the drilling business for my um, entire career. Uh, and uh, and, and here, here we are today. So. Well, yeah, you, I'd say you landed <clears throat> rather far afield from a, you know, non-complicated small private business <laughs> to run for yourself. And, and ended up at a global offshore driller, which is probably one of the more technolo- technologically advanced and most difficult operational environments out there. So, well, and to make a career out of that, uh, I know you've been at, at Noble for some time. Uh, I always love to hear people talk about just, you know, riding the ups and downs of this business and offshore drilling can be on the extreme end of that continuum. So what has it been like for a decade and a half or whatever it's been at Noble? Well, it's been a it's been quite a wild ride. I mean, I, I started in February of two thousand and five, which is kind of the very you know the early stages of that of the long upturn, um, and uh, you know we had a we had that little blip uh, in in two thousand eight, which for the you know oil and gas business was really a pretty quick uh, blip, and uh, so really you know talk about we've seen a whole lot, uh, but really we've seen. Uh, so far, uh, you know, one massive uh, up cycle and then one massive down cycle. Uh, and then here we are um, at, at, at the beginning of what I'm feeling uh, pretty confident about uh, being a, 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 another, uh, another uh, pretty interesting few years uh, for the business. Before we get too much deeper into that, you, you skipped over Acton. I just got to ask a question: How does one like Carter Higley get into Acton, let alone graduate from there? He did. did he, he did graduate, right? <laughs> he sure did. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I didn't know Carter uh, uh, going into Acton, um, but we we um, you know had mutual friends, and someone said you got to look out for Carter. And um, lo and behold, he had rented a, an apartment uh, right down the hall from me. Uh, and so we were just about, I don't know, 10 or 15 doors down uh, from each other in this little apartment complex in, uh, in Austin and uh, became really, really close friends immediately. And, of course, if anyone's familiar with that program, there's a lot of work you're doing, you know, 100, hour, 100 plus hours a week and all this. And, and so uh, we, we got to be really, really close in that program and uh, uh, confirmed, uh, confirmed graduate. And yeah. uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was there watching them. So. <laughs> That's good. I just had to case Carter's listening. I had to, th- had to throw that <laughs> I out there. I hope he is. If yeah. he is, I hadn't hadn't seen him in a while. But so, uh, time at Noble. So you're at Noble, and then there was a little time off there with the old infamous Hercules offshore. Yes. And then and then tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I went through. I was in in operations at Noble, and I lived. Uh, uh, I worked two years down in Mexico, uh, and came back uh, to the U.S. Uh, to work in uh, in our deep water, mainly deep water division there in the U.S. And so my first day on the job was supposed to be May 1st, 2010, back in the U.S. And of course, condo was April 20th, uh, 2010. So you know, first task there was to stack the whole U.S. fleet under the moratorium of the time. Uh, and, and then all of the, you know, the fallout um, from, from, from that horrible event. And so... In the meantime, uh, Noble was building up a, a, a kind of a different approach to marketing contracts, and they were recruiting some folks into that department. That sounded neat to me. Uh, so I ended up moving into the commercial group in 2010. 
and which was a blast and get to see really see the whole world uh, really got to learn uh, some of our customers drivers what they value um, in, in in looking at the drilling business uh, and then kind of through all of that um, was introduced uh, to a few folks at Hercules uh, uh, namely um, Brad James and um, they offered me an opportunity to um, <clears throat> see a little bit more globally um, which I took and I will say uh, that was a fabulous company uh, that had a just huge group of really great people really hard-working uh, really just great culture at that company didn't have best rigs in the world uh, takes both to be successful uh, in, 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 in this business um, uh, but I learned a whole lot uh, when I was there and um, you know I had mostly jackups if anyone uh, uh, follows the business and uh, in, in our world um, um, a contract for a jackup is usually just a few wells you can have long-term contracts but you end up doing a lot more contracts on a jackup than you would for a floater which at the time particularly we're, we're all under long-term contract so man I got to do deal after deal after deal negotiate contract after contract after contract worldwide and we were doing you know business uh, all over the globe with all these different rigs um, so I, I really learned an enormous amount um, uh, during that sh brief really just eight, 18 months and I was there yeah uh, it was it was it was a, it was a good experience and then um, um, Noble called and wanted me to, to come back and um, kind of continue my career uh, looking at a at a at a bigger uh, in a bigger role, and so I came back, and that's how I ended up in London. Yeah. So, yeah. so speaking of London, how how was living in London? Well, London uh, London was one of those times and places uh, that you you know you've got to take advantage of because uh, you know it's uh, a, a a bit singular. Um, it was it was uh, one of the best couple of years I know um, uh, for for both my wife and I. Uh, we had our first two kids while we were there. We were, we were there two years and had two kids uh, and um, <coughs> met a bunch of great friends uh, that were kind of in the same place in life. It's, a, it's a, a time and a place in life that's unique no matter where you are. And when you happen to be in a, in a city like London, it was just perfect. And we had, uh, uh, had a bunch of great relationships that we continue today. We got to see uh, the UK, but we got to see all of Europe, and um, and 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 really, uh, I think took the view that this won't last forever, and so let's keep that in mind and try to pack everything we can in, in while while we have it, and we did, and it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I know <coughs> going over there on business quite a quite a few times. We always would try to get together, and we finally were successful one time, and had dinner you and Sydney and I at uh, Park Chinois. Y'all introduced me to that fun night and uh she was uh she was pregnant at the time and so she joined us for a little bit and then allowed us to carry on into the night if i remember correctly that that is uh that's an accurate memory uh, yeah. and i remember sydney having had enough yeah. uh, uh probably a little before she left and then uh, uh she she went on home and uh we finished out the uh, the seating. We'll put it that way. Yeah, and yeah. It was a it was <laughs> a fun fun memory of mine. <laughs> and that's uh, a devilish grin you got on your face. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it. Uh, I've had the privilege of being able to take take a few few folks there after after that, and uh, but uh, yeah, it was a, that was a good time. So living in London and then coming back to the states. Tell us kind of about 
you know everything happening after after that point on well it came we came back in uh, 2017 it was pretty um, it all happened quite quickly um, and uh, had a great opportunity to, to take over the the worldwide uh, marketing department uh, which was a, a really big deal for me and uh, so we can't let's see we can, I flew home uh, without the without um, Sydney and the kids and uh, while I was home uh, Harvey hit uh, and so that I was actually Harvey actually I, I didn't own a car or house or anything in Harvey uh, but I was in Houston um, trying to get back to go get my family and bring them back to, to m- move back home permanently um, so it was a I had a, I guess a, a slightly different experience uh, d- during during all of that but uh, I guess was fortunate not to have any uh, real property in, in Houston at the time. But anyway, we we uh, we got um, we got uh, Sydney and, and at that point two kids uh, back home. And um, you know, of course, at, at that point in 2017, the the oil and gas business was you know, and perhaps the depths of uh, of of that downturn. Um, and so. Um, uh, we had a we had a lot going on. There was there was still a lot of a fair fair amount of changes, but uh, we were uh, you know it was a it was a stressful time uh, to to have to have that that role and and uh, kind of first first uh, experiences with with investors at that point too. And you know that was I think in my opinion that that period. Um, kind of 2016 leading up to COVID, 20 maybe 2017, 2018 leading leading up to COVID was um, when a, a lot of investors, um, you know, really soured on 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 the energy space because we we kept we we had this feeling for all those years that that the recovery was just right around the corner, and I think eventually that fatigued um, uh, essentially anyone who follows the space. So, so help me, David. When did when did David change over and Julie come on? I can't. COVID's that, got my my sense of time all screwed up. That uh, yeah. I might so, be asking you a trick question. I'm not no, trying no, to. No, I'm just making sure I got my my dates right. So that would have been in early uh, 2018. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. So how was it working with David Williams and Julie Robertson and and. Uh, well, they're you know all um, you know. It's funny if you look around. Uh, so I stay in close touch with with uh, all my ex colleagues, and uh, of course we've got an, a lot of folks uh, that have worked very closely with through the years at Noble that are in uh, a number of different uh, leadership positions around around both the drilling industry and and oil field services and on boards and everything else. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm actually quite quite proud of that. I I, I uh, you know those those before me should be the ones who are most proud, of course, for for cultivating, obviously a lot of a lot of talent and leadership. But uh, I think it's kind of neat that uh, we've got a lot of a whole lot of noble folks that are uh, around uh, around the world in in uh, in leadership positions. So. Yeah, and what about uh, I guess Bill Turcott is still there? Yeah, William is yeah. Uh, is. Uh, still there and we're working uh, very closely together with uh, everything we've been been having going on for the the last couple of years uh, uh, so uh, he's uh, you know he's been in in uh, in the GC role for I think it's 12 years now so you know in a 
and a company that's had uh, pretty unbelievable change uh, through all that time. Uh, Williams, uh, Williams been there and uh, been a huge, huge help for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> talk about, let's talk about what, you know, you're, you're now president and CEO of Noble and, uh, and what an interesting time to, to step into that position. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, w- you know, it, uh, the announcement went out uh, in uh, in February of 2020, and yep. you know that was kind of the we had a we had a emerging uh, recovery at that point, and uh, you know all the drillers had uh, distressed balance sheets, and um, there's a lot of a lot of talk and and uh, positioning around um, how to fix. You know, a multitude of different balance sheets at the time, and uh, and of course, COVID was re- really, I think, kind of hit in March. So it was just weeks <coughs> after after they made the announcement for me. So uh, you know, I think that kind of set off the uh, the pace uh, that 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 kind of everything's unfolded uh, since then uh, for 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 Noble. Um, you know, the whole world obviously reacted to COVID. We have our own story and challenges. And, and um, you know, I think, uh, and, and uh, I'm really, really proud of the way everyone reacted. We're running a global business with folks that are, you know, moving on a monthly basis uh, around the world. Some are coming from the U.S. and going internationally. Others are uh, moving around Europe between countries that had different uh, rules and protocols. We have a lot of folks uh, that are um, uh, from Asia that travel with us and um, and work in different parts of the globe, just in in, in in a huge Middle Eastern presence. I mean, just an impossible logistical situation. Uh, but everyone stepped up, uh, rose to the challenge. We had folks uh, that were uh, offshore on rigs for over 180 days uh, because they couldn't get off, couldn't get them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain countries, you know weren't weren't mindful about (laughs) about people needing (laughs) to get home uh to see their families um and um and everyone hung in there kept the rigs working uh uh but you know we had a a few pauses that we had to had to work around but by and large uh, kept the rigs working uh kept equipment moving uh and it's just a real herculean task that everyone uh stepped up and and handled um and you know it when when that happened at the same time you know it was it was just abundantly obvious that we were going to have to file for for chapter 11 unfortunately which was a real sad chapter for the for the company we 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 turned uh we turned 100 uh 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 in uh 2021 yeah. uh, and so we were kind of coming into our 100th year at that point uh, uh and obviously not not a not chapter 11 not a proud moment in our history but it's the right thing to do for the company i mean it, it, it couldn't have been a seemed, seemed like a pretty pretty clear choice um with the in the depths of, of covid there so, it was a pretty yeah. stark reality i mean and, and the industry had already been in a as you said a protracted downturn and we're eternal optimists so we always think that it's going to be better right around the corner and i think the reality is that that mentality kind of convinces people to hang on or, or try to survive until that better day comes. And I, and I think what COVID really did, and you've experienced on a global scale, which, I mean, I used to, all I dealt with was lower 48 onshore. That sounds pretty simple compared to, you know, managing a global fleet of rigs. Uh, but definitely seems like it, it was a catalyst for the consolidation that honestly probably needed to take place. And 
you know, at least you all had an asset base that was chapter 11able and you didn't have to go chapter 22. Uh, like some people did yeah. uh, that's when you do it twice and, <laughs> and look I think I think you probably came out of it and it appears so to be a much healthier you know kind of thriving business I'd be curious to get your thoughts on you know we've seen that consolidation globally uh, onshore lower 48 global drillers oil field services in general I mean you name it right how how are you looking at the, at the world today because obviously a lot has changed since February 24th uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine and everybody's, you know, kind of changed their mindset a little bit. You know, investors are actually calling us back up. Uh, there was a really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal the other day about that, and they wouldn't pick up our phone call. You know, uh, I work in private equity. It's been, it's been a tough slog if you've if you've been in the capital business for the past five years. So, just kind of curious, how has the how's the narrative changed? How do you think about things as a public company CEO? Obviously. You've got a pretty big deal in the works, um, so just be curious to get your thoughts on the landscape going forward. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 interesting. I, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, starting from when COVID hit, you know, trying trying to predict the future has become very dangerous business, and I think a lot of people um, mispredicted even just trying to predict six months out, and it's just been an, this incredible pace of of change. Um, so I'll start perhaps before Ukraine, if that's all right. Mm, I mean, sure. I, I just think, you know, in, in the depths of COVID, our business was written off for dead, literally left for dead. Uh, and, and there was no one to, to answer the phone. And, and uh, the mantra was that, that day rates would never return. Um, and so we knew as, as part of a strategy that, that, that participating in M&A was going to be important. And mm-hmm. so we've, you know, we've done um, a, a couple of deals and, and are working to close um, uh, this transaction with, with uh, Maersk Drilling. Um, but if you want to be a global business and you want to serve uh, uh, the, some of the world's largest customers uh, uh, in, in the way they expect, need, do need scale. And um, and so we recognize that and are are, are working to uh, to put together um, a, a leading offshore driller that that has uh, the scale and and um, um, global presence that you really need to be uh, to be uh, effective in the business. Um, but you're right. Um, earlier this year, the world uh, changed again uh, uh, with 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 the invasion of Ukraine. So you know, I I think. Uh, you know, overnight the, the the narrative changed in in some places, and in other places it's been slower to change. Um, you know, I think ultimately the effect here is uh, a more you know on, on a whole, not every conversation, but on average, I think there will be a a more balanced uh, conversation around what the globe needs. Uh, to, to supply its energy going forward, right? Uh, and so, you know, I like, to, I like to say that for a period of time, you know, during COVID 2020 and 2021, there was a big table with a lot of people making a lot of decisions and making a lot of plans. And there were two, two seats that were empty, you know, oil, oil and gas. And um, I think that was a mistake. And, uh, you know, oil and gas is an essential uh, part, of, part of the world as we know it. And so uh, the energy transition doesn't, will not, and should not go away. But the world has to figure out a way to work together with oil and gas sitting at seats at the table that works for everybody. 
and um, so my hope is that you know I think you're you know, all most of that a lot of that starts a policy. You're, you've seen a very f- very quick shift in 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 policy and particularly in the narrative in Europe that are a little bit closer to the to the security kind of component. Um, my hope is that that uh, continues um, in in the U.S. We'll see. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to work together um, to, to manage and, and find the balance that, that works for, for the most people in the globe. I mean, you've, got, you've heard about this energy trilemma, perhaps you talked about it on the podcast, but uh, you know, try, trying to balance sustainability with affordability and, and security is, is, is uh, you know, one of the big challenges that the globe is going to have to work together to, to figure out. Yeah. Um, and we need to be a part of that conversation. And, and, more, and I feel mm-hmm. you know, we're not for a while. Yeah. I'm trying to <clears throat> get folks to think of, instead of energy and transition, uh, energy expansion, to your point that, you know, it's a, I think it's an all things energy discussion. And, you know, I think most people that when they think about energy, when they think about modern quality life, they don't fully talk, think about it and talk about it uh, the way it deserves in the sense that there's there's the energy component and then there's the product component the petrochemistry aspect of it all and and what of um huge part of our modern day society that that is it um it's it can be a little bit frustrating but it, i think some of the unfortunate events happening globally are starting to bring folks back to the table to say hey it's it's kind of important and uh, one of the one of the interesting things I want to I want to talk about that not a lot of people know about uh, speaking to um, <clears throat> Noble in its history, uh, being a hundred what hundred one mm-hmm. year old company now, and and also what we're seeing happen uh, in the European theater with Russia and uh, what's going on with with Ukraine is the fact that very few people know. That there's a statue in Ardmore, Oklahoma, that also exists in Sherwood Forest, and it was because of some of the original uh, folks that uh, were part of Noble Drilling, and uh, I can't remember the other driller, um, but there's a book about it. And it's fascinating history about uh, two drilling contractors from Oklahoma uh, go on the uh, Queen Elizabeth, if I remember correctly. Uh, which was converted for uh, taking equipment and, and, and folks over there. And they drilled uh, oil wells in Sherwood Forest to support the war effort during World War II because uh, the oil and gas industry, largely uh, U.S. domestic oil production, is what kept a lot of people from speaking German. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Noble played a, played a huge role in, uh, in that local you know, oil production and not a lot of people knew about it. it was all camouflage it was secret and it was really kind of neat so it's that's a that's a, a a good memory and i'm glad you brought it up it's a that's a, a, a that is a, a great chapter in our uh, company's history i talked about uh, one of the uh less great ones earlier but um yeah they they drilled um in sherwood forest largely under cover of night of course couldn't have have um uh, uh, lights at night or anything uh, and uh, and and help supply um, oil to the really the UK effort at at, at that point there was yeah. having, uh, under blockade so it's uh, really neat yeah kind of a neat history so 
you know, with with all that's going on, and the fact that we have a a, a growing global population that's going to con- you know consume more energy, as well as uh, folks that are becoming more, I think, addicted to um, the use of technology that that draws a lot of energy, and then air conditioning, which uh, a lot of people get accustomed to. Uh, well, well don't forget about life expectancy. Uh, yeah, life know, expectancy. That, that's a small thing. And, uh, you know, poverty, as I remind people, that uh, there are some folks in the world that still might have dirt floor, but they, they've they got incredible uh, 5G service, and, and they see, uh, uh, you know, the Kardashian uh, girls living it up, and they want some of that. So, you know, that, that takes a lot, of, a lot of stuff they don't have, and... Um, I don't. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But it's certainly a a challenge. But as we think about that challenge and the need for energy, there's still really some interesting places in the world that that largely are just now getting getting tapped. And you know, we were talking about this earlier before we got started. Uh, Guyana and Suriname and some other places. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the interesting places that uh, you guys work. Sure. Um, and we're you know we're extremely uh, proud and and uh, and lucky to be uh, involved in 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 Guyana Suriname and um, is one of uh, one of our biggest sources of business right now um, and the biggest component of our of our backlog uh, look that 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 discovery and that play uh, is you know one of of uh, of a few handful that um, you know are as impactful as they are um, We've got another few exciting uh, discoveries and and, um, and 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 some a, a, a lot of known acreage and and a few other countries that are out there. But um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things that will be interesting over the next few years to see is is uh, the role that um, offshore is going to play um, in in the energy mix. And so, of course, I'm. Uh, quite, quite uh, confident and, and, and convinced that that offshore is a, a critical component of, of supplying oil and gas uh, uh, going forward. Uh, but it's one that was overlooked uh, during mm-hmm. kind of like we were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. One one that that people were were less sure of for quite some time. And you know, just now today, people are asking more questions about it. And I think a lot of people um, are still thinking through you know exactly what role it's going to play. But um, uh, we're uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, what's happened in our business in the last year has been pretty, pretty remarkable. You know, coming out of COVID, everything we talked about, um, uh, the markets moved substantially in 18 months, and and is really at, at a at a really um, pretty amazing um, pace mm-hmm. here, uh, right up uh, to the present. Um, so, uh, look, I'm I'm really optimistic, uh, and um, uh, I think it's um, I think it's it's plays like Guyana. It's you know offshores is 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 different. It it requires exploration and, and bigger money, longer time horizons. Uh, uh, but it remains an important uh, uh, part part of the supply equation. So, yeah. for some of our listeners that may not fully understand offshore drilling, I mean. I liken it to the space program in some some ways more challenging than putting people in the space when you think about the um, the environment you work in, the depths you work in. Do you mind kind of giving a thirty thousand foot view of what it's like on a a modern day deep water drill ship? Sure. Um, so these are you know these are 
essentially huge, huge vessels uh, that uh, house about, you know, around 200-ish people, a few more uh, uh, offshore. Uh, and right in the middle of them, they have a big, essentially a big derrick and uh, an oil rig kind of in the middle of them. So uh, they can uh, typically operate in water depths out to, you know, 10 to 12,000 feet. Um, and then uh, drill down to depths, you know, uh, well, well beyond that, of course. Now, Ten to twelve thousand feet is typically where most people that uh, are are uh, not professional uh, skydivers to using uh, oxygen and stuff. That's where they typically get out of the plane, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's it's way down. The the analogy I like I like to give to try to explain to people how complicated uh, the business is is in there's an operation where you run. Uh, the subsea BOP and connect it to the wellhead. The wellhead sits on bottom and, you know, like I said, in some cases, 10 or 12,000 feet uh, below the surface of the water. So let's call it two miles. Um, And the BOP, uh, which is uh, the blowout preventer, which is a critical piece of of both safety equipment and just uh, part of the operation, uh, is deployed from, from the rig, which is sitting on top of the water. And um, if you're sitting on top of an ocean, of course, you're subject to um, marine forces, uh, whether it's current or heave or wind or whatever else. Uh, but these are, you know, these marine forces are are the things that the naval uh, uh, maritime industry has been, you know, getting better at for for uh, you know a thousand years or more. Uh, uh, and so, you know, to uh, obviously they're they're formidable forces. Well. Men and women offshore run the blowout preventer uh, two miles through the ocean uh, while being subject to these marine forces and uh, land it on a, a wellhead at the bottom, which is fixed uh, uh, in, in the ground, with around an eighth of an inch of clearance. Uh, and so when you, when, you, when you think about that, uh, uh, it's it's really mind-boggling. Uh, so that's like the width of a real thick fingernail, right? <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's not a lot of clearance, and yeah. you know that we have we have uh, ROVs and, and funnels and a, a lot of equipment uh, to to help in the process. But uh, look, that's a that's a connection that ultimately needs to hold fifteen thousand pounds of pressure. Uh, or or more, and so uh, it's a critical c- connection. Uh, you can't cause damage in doing it. Uh, and when you think about uh, you know what's happening on surface, uh, uh, and the fact that they regularly, it's just a normal operation, make that connection two miles down uh, into the water. It's just mind blowing. Of course, there's myriad examples uh, uh, of technology and, and operations that are that are that are similar. But to me, that for whatever reason, for me, that one always always uh, uh, I think illustrates just how how uh, difficult the business is huh? but that, so you're 10 to 12,000 feet let's just for keep the conversation sake and then how much deeper are you drilling well it just depends on the wells but I mean you can drill 35,000 feet or you know so TMD if you know 45 50,000 feet way yeah. down there so it's uh, it's uh, it's a complicated business I mean, a typical well wouldn't be anything like that but uh, uh, it's uh, there's 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 a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. About as specialized as docking on the International Space Station is what it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my buddy Hitchcock was part of that uh, group that did the first private uh, 
uh, International Space Station flight. It was pretty fascinating talking to him the other day. He came out of quarantine because they had to, the, all the private astronauts, they had to quarantine him down in Florida for a while. It's pretty fascinating. But really cool. I still, uh, you know, deep water offshore drilling is is uh, incredibly technical. And, you know, I think it's that engineering, engineering um, that people talk about when they think about, okay, is there, what is the best in industry to take us from where we are today to where we need to go in the future for solutions that don't exactly exist i'd put some money on the folks in the good old-fashioned oil and gas industry to help figure out those solutions i agree it's a it's a it's a um a huge group of extremely talented people with a ton of experience um that i think largely flies under the radar and uh they do it in a very sustainable manner so we spill a thimble full of oil over the side of one of these drill ships and that's going to get recorded in fact oftentimes we spill a thimble full of oil on one of the drill ships and it never hits the ocean and we record it to make sure uh, we know why why that happened um, and so we we do our best uh, and um, and uh, and remember you know why we're here which is is, is our little part of the chain in, in supplying oil and gas to the world so now not to ask you a, a tough technical question but i'm sure you're probably familiar with the the dei stuff the one the one metric that i i've people have not been uh following that i think is kind of important is uh do you have a sense of how many cajuns you have working for you no, <laughs> <laughs> the uh you know i don't have a percentage yeah yeah <laughs> but, check I, that. but but i will say we've had uh, some of the most um uh, some some very colorful characters in our 101 year history yeah. have, have uh, come out of Louisiana. I think you got to have several of them at least to be a sustainable business, <laughs> you know, particularly in the offshore drilling business. Just add character to everything. I agree. The first rig I ever worked on was the Noble Loris Boozy Guard. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've covered a little bit of ground. Um, y you know, one of the things that. Um, that we typically like to talk with our guests. Obviously, you've 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 lived uh, a life of many roles inside of Noble, and and have gotten some some exposure outside of Noble, and uh, all aspects of the business. Quite frankly, uh, which I think is which is great. Um, any any advice you might like to share with any of our listeners um, that are. Um, in a position of management thinking about getting in the energy industry advice you you might have given uh robert eifler you know 20 25 years ago that uh you might like to share with anybody yeah it's okay it's a good question um i know i right. asked you this call. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say two things one um uh, the and it's and it's related to to uh, some of the things I said around sustainability in, in our business and in in the importance of our business. But you need to be proud of what you do. And I think the last few years has been really hard on our industry uh, because uh, it's been you know stripped of 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 pride in 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 a lot of cases around around what we're doing. The way I think about it is. Uh, we all have to live together. I talked about this balance that hopefully rebalances here. We all have to live together. We do the best we can in the business, um, in, in, in our business. And um, what we do is extremely important. And so if you're, if you're thinking about the business or if you're in the business, keep your chin up. Uh, 
better to be important than cool. I tell people that sometimes. Uh, but this is an important business, uh, and we play an important role um, in the world. Uh, so, so be proud of what you do. Uh, and then second thing this is uh, perhaps kind of remedial because you learn it in, like, preschool. But um, building trust uh, and simply uh, being honest in your business, you know, I've done so many interesting things and in different countries and in difficult situations uh, and complicated situations and in negotiated in complicated situations. And at the end of the day, being honest and transparent almost always wins the day. And so uh, I, I, think, I think most people generally are, are, are honest folks. And I know in, in our business, uh, uh, we have a lot of great people that we've had the, had the opportunity to work with. Uh, but that, the old lesson about, uh, about destroying trust and building trust um, really holds true in business. And got a lot of miles out of simply being transparent um, with with what we're trying to do and, and being honest with people. So remedial as that sounds, I think sometimes people uh, forget how important it is and it's easy uh, to, to fall off course even for a moment, uh, but it, it really is, is core to uh, being successful in the long term. I think it's good advice. I think it's important advice. I uh, had the privilege of spending a several hours with mike pompeo just him and i and his security detail and uh uh you know it was we talked about a lot of things but um one of the things we talked about was that uh, some of the relationships he has with with world leaders still today that call him for um thoughts about things just based on how he handled things and the transparency he gave might not have been what they wanted to hear but they they knew they were getting the the truth is to the extent that he could provide it and could control it and uh thought that was interesting <clears throat> and uh shocking honestly but uh i think that's that's true um it uh it's better to be be uh as you said, uh, important as opposed to cool and, and, and honest as opposed to dishonest. So that's good advice. Sometimes we'll be reminded of things like that from time to time. So you got anything else, Craig? Nope. I think that's a great piece of advice to end on. Yeah. Uh, Robert, appreciate you coming in. Uh, I thought that was a very enlightening discussion and wish you obviously all the best of success. And, uh, when you're able to talk about it more, hopefully your deal goes extremely well. Uh, but we'll all be rooting for you. Um, David, always great to sit with you and have yeah. these conversations. Yeah, thank you both for being here. Appreciate you being here, and I enjoyed it. And uh, look forward to hearing uh, about future successes, and and uh, appreciate you coming on. Well, it's great to be here, and I thank you both for uh, having me. Uh, and uh, look forward to maybe doing it again someday. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, thank you to all of our listening audience. Thank you to our generous sponsors. Remember that you can find us on uprightdigital.com, YouTube, or wherever you find your podcast. It's o360.com. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk again next time. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Locked in Global Energy and Marine uncommonly independent. 
Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com.